0: like a price tag hanging from the inner thighs 18 years in she jumped ship better bank rolled in with brand new dick i get it haunting. i won't sweat shit i'm mc hammer broke broke choking the mic just like rick slicker than the sickest dope sling spit crippling the mic when the voodoo hit this is curious g welcome to the truth to power podcast thank you for joining us for another episode of truth to power this week, we're going to be starting off with a brand new album, a song called Here I Am. Hope you enjoy the show. Guess what? It's what?
1: that time again. Ooh. You got your boy, Ace Cannon. I got my man,
0: Curious G. Here we go. I think I got my voice back a little bit. Nah, you. I would say 95.9. Uh, the sickness gets on top of yo, dude. And to do this show every week is
1: hard, is it, man. Yes, it is sometimes. It's
0: hard to keep coming here every week. Not that it's hard to come here, it's hard to have that commitment in the world we live in. Yeah, definitely. Hmm.
1: I feel like, oh, I thought you, I was like, do I have a, is there a fancy segue to
0: this? Well, there is. Oh, no way. I got some shit coming <laughs> up the pike. You, we. Just go. What the fuck does that mean, coming up the pike? What is a pike?
1: You know what? I don't know, but I, uh, <laughs> I just think of Pike, Pike's place, Pike place. Maybe it's, I, it has to do something with water.
0: I'm guessing. Hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. That sounds right. Victor Frankie. Victor with a K. Victor. Um, he was a neurologist. He was a psychologist and a Holocaust survivor. Mm. And he wrote a book, um, and he said, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So I, I bring this up for a specific reason. Today, we're going to be talking about something more of a social topic, psychologically, I guess, resilience. Mm. Resilience. Are you a resilient motherfucker? I always pick myself
1: up. If I'm down, Mm. I say, I can't, I'm not going to stop. I fucked up too many times in my life. If I would have stopped back then, what's the, what's the fucking point? You got to keep going, man. It's all right. Like now my life, one of my lines is like, ain't no one going to stop my shine. Mm. You know, but I had to teach myself that it's easy to give up. It's very easy. It is. Yeah. But it's hard to pick yourself up. It's mm. not easy. It's hard. But when you do it and then you end up coming out on the other side, maybe of the pike,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you you just feel stronger. Coming down the pike. What the fuck is that mean? I, I got to find this out. Oh, the bitch is on his phone now. Well, of course. Motherfucker. Gotta... We're You know, we do shit quick around here. You can't fuck around and just say shit.
1: Nah, nah. I'm just sitting here. So actually, I've, I've written a script every single week. No, I'm just messing with you. So, pike.
0: Yes. What is the pike? Coming down the pike. A long-bodied predatorial
1: freshwater fish with a pointed snout and large teeth. That can't be of what North we're talking America about. North America and Eurasia.
0: N- you're not okay, coming yeah. down the pike. That doesn't make... Coming down the pike. This is the way we're going to start our show. This is how bad we are. Remember <laughs> okay. the first episode, people, where we forgot to introduce ourselves for 20 minutes? Now, this is another rule that we're probably breaking, I'm sure. Looking shit up. Looking shit yeah, up. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I
1: had to know, too, because it's going to be on my mind. Oh, dude,
0: it's not going to leave me alone. So, say,
1: coming down the pike means going to happen or appear soon, obviously, but there's... Okay. I'm, I'm Don't going. have nothing to do with water. Alright, here we go. Next thing. <laughs> um <clears throat> Okay. As the as okay, can I, Oh shit. Okay. Turnpike. Coming down the turnpike. That's oh. what it is from. Oh. So it's yeah, so the use of um down the pike describes the arrival of the unknown.
0: Okay, so okay. that actually is gonna tie into what I'm about to say next. Oh man, and that wasn't planned.
1: Let's go. Fuck no. Let's
0: dude. go! I want to get back to Victor in a second because that motherfucker survived the Holocaust, and I felt like he had some shit to say about that. But here, here's here's one of my thoughts that tie into this thing. It's a mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Yeah. Now you got to wonder what these things have to do with each other, with resilience and and all this and that. But you know, you take this dude Victor here, right? Um, Holocaust survivor. he he lost his whole family, by the way, okay, right? And he was in the middle of something that he couldn't change. And he had to change himself. I think if he didn't, he wouldn't have been able to be resilient enough to make it through. And I think, I think one of the things that resilience demands of people is, I don't know if you remember when you were a little kid, they had like some kind of nursery rhyme, like little story type thing about an oak and a reed. And the oak was making fun of the reed, right? Because he was so big and strong and the little reed was like flimsy, right? But a big storm comes and the oak breaks and falls over down. But the reed just kind of bends in the wind, touches the ground and, and comes out of the storm fine. That's resilience, you know, to be able to bend and go with the flow type stuff. And I don't know if you're in the Holocaust, (laughs) if if it's as easy as all that. Yeah. But, you know, um, don't believe everything you think. You know, um, sometimes the world changes and, and turns on a dime. And sometimes the things that we think and believe also change and turn on a dime, right? And I think that a lot of us, for me, a lot of us were in the middle of a reality before COVID and things kind of turned on a dime and changed. Um, right before COVID, I was up in Canada and I was playing in two bands. Both bands were getting ready to make albums and they were rock bands. I wasn't doing this rap stuff, right? And one of the one of the bands, we were doing all my music, right? It was all my songs. And um it takes so long to get to a point where you're ready to... Put out an album and and teach people and and you know this is my song and and get it to where it sounds good and all that kind of stuff and um you know I felt I felt like a lot of the wind in my sails was gone when I went down to take care of my mom and then COVID hit and I got stuck down there for 14 months bands fell apart right I was actually like do I want to try to get music going again I didn't even know if I could. You know, I'd been, um, playing music since my twenties and, um, in my late twenties, I was having a lot of success. Um, I actually had an, uh, a bass teacher that wanted to put me with his buddy, which was the biggest agent in Florida. There was an opening for a band that he wanted me to audition for and all my music equipment got stolen right before the audition. The band I was going to audition for was a fucking, uh, band that was playing around the state of Florida. They were a big band in Florida but hadn't really made it. That band was Marilyn Manson. I had an audition with those motherfuckers back in the day. Got all my shit stolen. I got close a couple of times. Um, I was with a band called Sacrificing Mimes and we were gonna get signed at one point in time and the singer backed out two weeks before the studio. <laughs> you know And to hold on to this music stuff, right um, has been difficult. When, when my mom passed and I came back here to Washington, I looked up this dude, Rob. Um, he's the music producer I work with. Now I had met Rob, uh, working with a rapper named L rock. Um, I kind of got in that circle. I was writing a script for a a music video that L rock was going to do. And I kind of got to know Rob. I got to know a couple of other people, but Rob in particular, and, um, I recorded some bass guitar over at his house, and I recorded some guitar over at his house, and a couple other little things. And he ended up making a mix, a beat out of some stuff I did. And I liked him. I liked him personally, not just professionally. And at the time, he was doing his studio out of the closet. Like he had a closet like that yeah. that he had soundproofed. And he had some motherfucking dudes come through there, you know, not just flashing the pan rappers, but some dudes in his fucking closet, like L Rock, mm-hmm. right? This motherfucker was top notch. And, um, anyways, I looked them up when I got back here and it was just in my mind, I, I've got to try to do something a little bit different because I wanted to get out some of these topics that I've been rapping about, right? This is the resilience that I'm getting to, not just that, but also holding on to the vision. And when I first called him, I said, dude, I don't know if I can do it, but when I was in high school, I used to, uh, I used to write lyrics for every band in my high school, you know, country, rock, punk. Hip-hop, right? I was like the drug dealer of lyrics, right? Motherfuckers be like, what you got? I'd spread it all out, right? They look over to shit. They'd pick out this one or that one, you know? And it was probably garbage, you know what I mean? But I thought, well, if I can fucking write some hip-hop, maybe I can do it, you know? And um, so not this past October, but the October before that was when him and I really started to, to write some beats. By December, I got into the studio for the first time. And uh, I told him when I first started talking to him, I said, I don't know if I can do this, but I just didn't want to let go of music, Yeah, you know, and coming out of COVID and, uh, you know, my wife still being in Montreal at the time, um, literally in December, I get into the studio for the first time, not even a month later, my wife of 18 years tells me she's leaving me for another dude, darkness, darkness. You know, and then the next time I hit the studio, dude, I did some of the best music I'd done. You know, I recorded voodoo. I recorded loveless on my first album and that shit was, was on fire, dude. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm amazed at the resilience and now, you know, I'm closing in on 50 some tracks, you know, in the last 17 months. And, uh, so I wanted to talk about resilience. This song Uh, on this album is titled Here I Am. And it's the first song on the album, kind of like Motherfucker was for the last album. And this song is about, um, I didn't wonder if I could do it anymore. On this song, I was like, motherfuckers, here I am. Because I knew. At this point, I was ready. I'm like, I'm a fucking rapper. I'm not going to try to do it. No, I, I am. I am. I am. Here I am. Here I am. So this is that's the story for this song. What does all that shit make you think about, man?
1: Well, resilience is, you know, like I said earlier, it's not giving up. It's having faith in yourself, knowing that the goods are there. Like they are there. You know, you just, some things just didn't work out. And life is funny like that. When you were actually talking, I was thinking about my job. Mm. And my job is very easy on paper. So- I mean I'm not sure if I've ever actually spoken about this exactly what I do but um I do business development for an executive recruiting firm.
0: You're a headhunter?
1: Yes, I'm a headhunter. And I look for talented people and I get them high-end jobs. Well, it sounds easy. But you know, you find a person, you find a company, they interview, they get a job. But you know, there's cold streaks. Like mm. you can go you know, we do week by week and you can have three bad weeks and one really good week, mm. but you can't give up. You know, you have to keep going.
0: Every no is closer to yes.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm. I always tell people a funny line. I go, well, I'm in the, you know, and if, you know, if you don't want to do something, it's okay. Cause I'm in the business of hearing no.
0: <laughs> That's the way I date. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Welcome to my life. I didn't realize how, uh. Close to my dating <laughs> life and my uh, work life,
0: hard too. Uh, you know, oh, parallel. I just got to hear a few more nos before I get that. <laughs> yeah, it's coming, baby. It's coming. Oh shit! But
1: but yeah. So you know you can't give up. And the same thing, you know, growing up with, you know, playing soccer. Um, you know, I. <clears throat> you don't have good games sometimes. You don't have good days sometimes. But but you know it's there. You know, and it's just you got to just like I say, keep moving forward. Cause there's you can't change the past as cliche as that is you can maybe try to re you know look back and see the things that didn't work and mm. maybe not do those things again because you know it's easy to do the things that are comfortable but if the comfortable is not working obviously you need to get a little uncomfortable
0: yeah like our last episode comfortable with the uncomfortable
1: yes Hmm. Segway? No. I guess that's bad. No, this shit
0: wasn't planned. Yeah. It was just all seems to tie in. It's the yeah, universe. Well, it's the
1: reality of the universe. Hey, uh-huh. man, there you go again.
0: Shit's coming down the pike. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's a fish.
1: Yay. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, man, it's just <clears throat> like there's there's something to be said about, you know, that rise, you know, rise of the phoenix kind of shit. And I know I've said this on here before, but the reason why Disney stories are so dope. Is because it's always the hero having to overcome some shit Mm -hmm. to get to the next level of his life and actually become the hero. So, you know, it's always about being the hero of your own story. No, everyone wants to be the fucking hero. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people want to be the hero, you know, and know that they're making and contributing a massive amount of influence Mm. in a positive way. I don't think anyone, well, obviously some people could care less, but- <clears throat> but yeah, it's just really just picking yourself up, reevaluating, refocusing, and let's go again. Because mm. I'm not going to stop. Um, there's no such thing as failure until you give up. You know, I always say it about the stock market. You don't lose until you take your money out or cash out at zero. But, but you just don't lose until you take your money out. That shit can flip the next day.
0: Well, resilience with the economy is a little bit different. Thing. Well,
1: yeah, but, I'm, but I think it's still the notion of there's a chance. You know, there's still a chance to redeem yourself. And the same thing with life. Like you still have a chance. As long as you're alive you're, and you keep moving forward, you have a chance to redeem yourself.
0: So you hear a lot of rejection in what you do. Yes. Okay. How do you personally deal with rejection? I'm, oh, well, in my job, I just move on. You move on. Because, what about in, in in your personal life? Yeah, that's that's way different
1: because that's actually what matters. Mm. You know, if if I if my job is what defines me, then that's you know it is what it is. But I don't I don't believe that my job defines me. You know, it's nice that I have it absolutely, but in my person, like, but I lost my job tomorrow. There's going to be another job. You know, so you got to pick yourself up and get and go. But in my my life, um, <clears throat> handling rejection was very hard when i was young um <clears throat> unfortunately like my, my stepfather was well one my dad left so you know i had to you know i'm still dealing with that shit today but so he left and then my my stepdad was like really verbally abusive towards me and i didn't really notice that but like i told myself like if i can maintain this if i can get out of this i can survive anything like that's how i thought in my head because it wasn't a, wasn't the best you know as great as my mother is You know, she was still in a household where he was paying all the bills. He was doing most of the things, even though my mom was working, he was still the head of our household and his, his rules kind of went. And, but I told myself like, you know, keep going, man, like only do what you can control. You know, school, you know, activities, my extracurriculars like soccer and basketball. And, you know, I got really good at, I mean, not really good, but I got above average at soccer because I put so much work into it because I didn't want to go home. So I was like, I channeled myself in a different way. So when something bad would happen and like I was rejected, I felt rejected. Like I went to do the things that actually made me, you know, validated and mm. felt good because no one wants to feel like shit. And that's the truth.
0: See, I, I feel like we can't always take rejection personally.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, when I, when I was, uh, with my wife, yeah, I was 18 years we were together and, um, she told me um, that she had met another dude, right? Now, I had only uh, wanted to go take care of my mom for 14 months. But at the end of it all, I, I had to come back to work, you know? And, and one of the reasons was, is when I was in Canada for a couple of years, I wasn't able to work because I hadn't had a social security number there yet. And we were going through the process of becoming a, a, a resident, a permanent resident. Um, and then going to take care of my mom... At first I got a job, but then COVID hit and I said, I can't fucking bring this shit into the house. So I didn't work for almost three years. You know what I mean? And I had to get back to work. I had to get my insurance going. I have skin cancer, right? And I needed to get my medical shit going. And um, so I was back here working eight months. And uh, the plan was for me to work here for about two years and try to get the permanent resident stuff finalized so that I could work in Canada. And... Um, in the meantime, I was going to try to launch some kind of music or film stuff, you know, because I came out of Florida, like literally with my hair on fire. I wanted to fucking get busy. Yeah, I was watching what was going on in the world. And I said, this is fucking unacceptable to me. People have to be able to do something and speak out. And, and this was the point, right? Is um, I see things like right now that there's so many things that's trying to tear people apart. If people don't come together we're going to have a hard time in the future. I think I really do. And I think that the greatest asset we have in this country is people. That's the greatest value we have. Um, So that's what I wanted to do. And before when I was doing music, it was literally because I just loved music. You know what I mean? Like, like I just loved music, but I came out with a purpose this time. And, um, you know, just as I'm getting going, she drops this bomb on me. And, um, ironically, I was getting a series of four different operations for my skin cancer. And I was, the day she told me, I was an hour and a half away from my second operation, you know? And uh, it, it, when I went and I'm sitting there getting the fucking cancer shit cut out, I felt like I got two cancers cut out that day, you know? And, and not that we had a bad marriage, but what was on my mind is if you don't value me, the person that raised your children- the uh, the person that's been there and supported you and has been a good dude for all those fucking years, you're never gonna value me. And my first thought was I value me. I'm gonna take me someplace else. I just didn't know where I was going. You know, and this is where I where I bring in the resilience thing. And this is in this song, like in the in the second verse, it's all about that ending relationship. Because in the middle of me realizing I could do this shit for real and knowing which direction I wanted to go with my my passion, I'm losing my foundation. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and uh, I think this is the biggest question we can ask ourselves when it comes to resilience: What am I gonna do now? Yeah. Mm.
1: Facts. I've talked about Eckhart Tolle's "The Power of Now" all the time. It's like oh shit! It's, the only thing I have is now. 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 <laughs> That's it. You know, and I've I've taken that to each phone call, you know, that I make. And I'm like, all right, well, next, well, next, what's next, what's next, mm. what's next? Because that's already gone. That literally that moment's already gone. I can never get that shit back. So that's why even saying things on this podcast, there's times where I'm like, oh, I should have said that differently. Eh, what can I do? Move on.
0: i perfectly human.
1: Always. I'm going mm. to be until the day I perish,
0: you know, mm. and it's beautiful though.
1: Man, because you can always rebuild yourself. And that's fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, dude. Man. I didn't think I was going to be a rapper. Yeah. I'm rebuilt like the $6 million man. There, there you go. <laughs> you b-
1: bionic mug over we here. We can rebuild him. Yeah. And, and it's it's really cool. It's like one of the beauties of life. You know, it's even <clears throat> like apologizing to somebody. Like that's, that's resilience too, because you're being super vulnerable. And just admitting your mistakes is like a powerful, powerful thing, you know? And it's like, it's okay. Like we're more similar than we are different mm. in this world. And I had a, I worked for a venture capitalist in college and he, he said one time, he goes, if you have a question about it, I guarantee you someone else has a question, that exact same question. And he said that about products. Like if you have something that is beneficial to you that you think can change the world, I bet you someone else, it can change someone else's world too. Mm. And I always thought that, but I took it on a grander scale and was like, yeah, man, so if I have this problem, I guarantee you someone else has this problem. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's 80% similar. You know, so they can understand. And like you said, we're more, you know, one of our powers and one of our, well, I guess, yeah, the powers in numbers, you know, just reaching out and knowing that people want to help. Like people, that, that makes you feel good. Yeah. You know, helping, helping is awesome. Now, I lost my way a little bit and was a little too selfish. And was like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. But then when you have it all, what the fuck does it mean? Who are you going <laughs> to give it to? Just yourself? You're going to be Scrooge McDuck, just floating around in your goal with no one around?
0: Yeah, dude. Once you're full, you're full. You can't, can't man, eat I anymore. Can't, I can't eat no more. You try to eat more than that, you're going to get sick. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I
1: was for a long time. You know, mm. mentally I was unbalanced. You know, I, I heard someone say, how are you going to try to climb a mountain if you're unbalanced? And I always thought that was so dope. And I'm like, yeah, man, I got to balance out my life and give some shit back. So I'm trying to trying to make up for all my bads in the past.
0: I'm going to bring back what Victor said, Victor Frankie. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. That's a, that's some deep shit for a Holocaust survival. Yeah. You know, like he he had some shit that he could not change. Lost his family. Mm-hmm. Couldn't change it. I mean, the dude could have fallen fucking apart. You know, not wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I guess it sold like 9 million copies or something like that. Um but the the dude, um, his voice carried is what I'm trying to get at. His voice carried. I bet you when he was there in in you know, in the camps, um I bet he wondered if his voice would ever reach past that place
1: past that fence, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and whatever it was that he was able to do to keep going, he kept going, and his voice carried here it is carrying more, right?
1: We're talking about it today.
0: Yeah. talking about it today. So we never really know the effect that we're going to have on the world around us when we begin to talk, Mm -hmm. you know, like this show, we don't know how far it's going to go. Nah. have no idea.
1: I mean, because I (laughs) I told you this before, like, I don't, I don't know anything about the numbers. Mm. I'm just here because I feel like I'm doing something good,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and that's all I can really, that's all I can do, be the best version of me.
0: You know what I think about when it comes to numbers? I, th- I think some people, when they look at podcasts, they're going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, you know, that first episode, we don't know how many people are going to listen to it, right? More people are going to listen to it than have listened to it. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. That's true, yeah. People are still finding this podcast for the first time. And I tell them, start off with the first episode that's going to bring you along and you're going to understand what we're doing.
1: Yeah. I think about the same thing with, you know, certain books where, you know, Monet never knew he was, you know, during his time, he was shit. Mm. Now he's regarded as one of the best impressionist painters of all time. You just never know. And music, there's probably the music that you just, you, you, you find it later in life. It means something to you. It's like you're saying, you just don't know the impact that you can make on people or on society or on anything, you know? And on the flip, I mean, people could hear stories about you later and realize, man, that guy wasn't such a good guy after all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, that's true. How English. many heroes did we have that get, oh, surprise. Oh,
1: hey, yeah. Christopher Columbus when I was growing up was great. Mm. No, I understand. You just created genocide. Mm-hmm. You know, what an asshole. You know. Look he, at OJ. 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 I mean, dude, if the glove don't fit, you know. <laughs> no, but you, but I mean you're right though. It's what is it, a lifetime to make a reputation, a second to destroy it? Bill Cosby. Yeah. Well, I Amer- like Bill Cosby. America's
0: dad. Dude, I like well, you know, I, I liked him ish. Yeah. I liked him ish. I was really more of a Richard Pryor, George Carlin type dude. And I remember what Eddie Murphy said is he got in trouble from Bill Cosby. Yeah, Bill Cosby called him up and gave him some shit yeah. for saying words like motherfucker, like we say on this show, yeah. right? And uh, he called Richard Pryor and Richard Pryor says, tell him to shut the fuck, fuck up.
1: up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, bitch, or something like that. Yeah, yeah but tell him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. But it is, man. Yeah, that's crazy. That's the craziest one in my life. My oh, life, dude, you but, look
0: at Bill Cosby. He he wouldn't use certain language like motherfucker. He was censored. Yeah. He was censored.
1: Oh, well, he was also censoring women. Oh, in dude,
0: he had some things in the closet.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that's so wild. Because He was, a, like I said, the Cosby show growing up, I thought it was great. It was great. Yeah, I thought it was it, great It was show. an entertaining show. It was a show. good show. You know, yeah. some decent life lessons and all mm-hmm. these things and dealt with, you, you know, he's a little ahead of its time when some of the things that it was dealing with because he was so popular. And then, yeah, yeah you know,
0: in. I'm I was more of a good times kind of dude. You ever watch that show, Good Times? I
1: I I haven't. I know the show, but I've never actually sat. I mean, I've watched maybe a couple clips here and there. Now oh that I the internet, that shit
0: was. But that shit was something because they were in the projects. They were in poverty. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a, not a negative show. And they could have they could have played it like it was such a negative thing, but. Um, the family really stuck together and supported one another. They didn't didn't care so much that they didn't have. They had good times, man.
1: Yeah, it was just a little, it was a little bit before my time. So I never, I never watched it. Even the Cosby show, I watched later on in life on like Nick at Night, Mm. you know, so I never watched it because I was single digit, real young, like five, four. So I just didn't understand. But I grew up like on the, like more so the Fresh Prince is Mm. like what I grew up on. Okay. Yeah. So that was more me. And I i mean, I would watch every week. My mom, you know, we'd watch it every week. And I thought Will Smith was like the dopest dude in the world. I was like, <laughs> you are so fly, man. And how you turned out.
0: And yeah, he's doing all right these days. He slapped the shit out of that dude. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> you can have your opinion on that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah we'll get into that at some point i'm sure but let's get back to this resilience thing so one of the things i started to find out when i was doing my research here is i I, a lot of things started coming up that were connected to buddhism right Mm -hmm. like some of the stuff that they say to be resilient you gotta have an open mind yep it's one of the things to becoming uh resilient going with the flow like as a Taoist, i suppose that would resonate um But to be patient with life and optimistic. So, all these things like it it resonates with me that Buddhism, Taoism, like some of those Eastern religions. Um, One of the big things that talked about too was alone time. You know, to be able to achieve focus on what's really important and to let yourself heal. And I spent a lot of time in meditation when Lynn told me, you know, and the reason was, is I honestly, she was my hero. You know, in this yeah. state, she won a uh, woman of the year in this state. She won humanitarian of the year in this state. And I looked at her like, this is the greatest woman I have known in my life. Mm. Right. And I wanted to be more like her. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and now I see things a little bit differently. Now I see things a little bit differently. I was missing a few things. And I see things a little bit more clearly now. But at first, it was like it has shocked me to my core. This person that I had complete faith and trust in, and when the ground was out from under me, you know, this was one of the songs that I wrote was "Here I Am." You know, I'm going to be able to do this shit right here. And what's interesting about this song is it's uh, the first song up to this point that I actually recorded the music, like the guitar in this song. "Here I Am" is mine. And I've done that a couple of times moving forward now. But, um, this was a highly personal song for me. And so is the title of the album, Sacrificing the Silence. You know, um, I felt like not only here I am with this music, but I have a purpose and I'm going after this shit, you know?
1: Mm.
0: So that's kind of the, the, the song here, but, um, getting back with the Buddhist idea, you know, um. It's funny how these Eastern religions, they, they talk about so many different things than what the, the Christian religions that I grew up with talked about, right? Um, I don't really remember a lot of conversations about going with the flow and da, da 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 out of Christianity. I got different type of shit from that. It's, this is God, this is the way, there is only one way, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and either you're gonna be in or you're out. Yep, you in or out? That's it. You know, rigid, rigid. Yep. You know, there was no bend.
1: <laughs> the o- The only thing that I, because I think this is in the Bible, like this too shall pass.
0: I don't know. I know. I don't remember that shit in the Bible.
1: No, oh, maybe not. Maybe I was just giving it too much credit. I think
0: that's someplace
1: else. Yeah, maybe. But that's when you were reading and talking about the you know Eastern philosophies or Eastern religions. That's what I thought about. Like this too shall pass. Mm. But. I've uh, thought about it, the positive and the negative. You can feel good sometimes. You're not going to stay good. Mm. That's the reality of life. But it's having the resilience and just rec- you know, just recognizing what's happening and accepting it. You're like, yeah, man. Sometimes, what is it? Sometimes the best solution is to do nothing.
0: Mm. And sometimes you get a, when, when, when the situation won't change, like Victor says, yeah. you are challenged to change yourself.
1: That's what I thought about too. It's like, he's like, all right, no, this isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. This is where I am. So I can't be the person I was when I, before I got here. Cause it's not going to work. I'm, I'm I'll probably die like quicker. Mm-hmm. But if I can stay afloat, go with the flow, adapt, mentally get myself stronger, have hope, faith, that if I can do this, I mean, I'm sure after he got out, that man was a strong motherfucker. Oh, I'm sure. Like nothing could nothing could break him after that. Hmm. No? And I and that's a you know, it's an attractive trait. I, I think in anybody. You know, not necessarily in a, you know, relationship, like sexual relationship or anything like that, but it's an attractive trait when you see someone pick themselves up. You know, and that's what I always say. It's, you know, you wanna th- oh, we got think we have some fans doing a hip-hop concert outside (laughs) yeah but it's the old resilience of you know just just figuring it out or at least to the best of your ability because I'm not sure we ever figure anything really out but you know just doing it and it's just it's so so cool and you know coaching soccer you would see that kids who couldn't do things but didn't give up and I was like bro that's resilience like I'll never forget this kid Riley Bro, he was not good at mm-hmm. all, but I worked with him all the time and he ended up making the play to save our undefeated season. And and he did, he did everything right. You know, got a defensive stance, didn't let the guy juke on him. You know, he tackled at the right time, used the sidelines and he pushed the kid out. And I was just like, Riley. And it made me just like, I still get goosebumps about it. It was a moment in my life where I saw a kid not give up and like I'm like, bro, you're mm. the fucking man, like mm. you know. And we did everyone pushing him, and it was like his moment, because for how many mistakes he made all season. I mean, he gave up numerous times goals. Where people knew that he wasn't the best, and oh, Riley, Riley, Riley. And I said to my team, I go, just wait, There's gonna come a time, he's gonna do something, and he did, and it was just the coolest moment. It's one of the coolest moments I ever had in coaching. Same thing with this kid, William um scored the game-winning goal to give us the undefeated season in our last game it was tied you know we were down um he, no we were tied and he ends up getting the ball over the top and instead of going out like he would always do he cut inside scores and he ran over to me and he's like coach A, it fuck I, mean, I think he even cursed he's like it fucking worked man you know he's like nine years old but it was it was just so cool because you see you see kids not give up And it's easy to give up as an adult because you've been beaten down so many times. Kids haven't as much and they have everything provided for them. And these were decent, well off kids, so they weren't struggling. Yeah. Yeah so it's like they weren't looking for food or anything. But just to see like just to see that happiness is real, doesn't matter, you know, race, creed, social, like like it's real, you know, or someone getting a scholarship out of the hood. Yeah. You know, it's just like they didn't We like to see that shit. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Everyone loves to see a train wreck, but they love to see the comeback story even more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know and that's resilience right but they don't give up
0: you ever heard of the hope experiment
1: mm,
0: no so there was something i think it's called utopia 26 it was these experiments that they did with with rats and shit
1: oh yes we have talked about it i know yeah. exactly what you're talking about
0: so the hope experiment was this they put a bunch of rats in water and shit yeah. and and those motherfuckers drowned after about 15 minutes and then they took another group of rats because you can't take dead rats to do that. <laughs> they took another group of rats and then they did the same thing. They put them in the water with no way to get out. And just before that 15 minutes, when the other rats gave up and let themselves drown, they pulled those rats up out of the yeah, water, yeah, yeah, yeah. dried their motherfucking asses off, gave them some rest, gave them some food, said, All right, player, you're cool now. Right. And then the next day, put them back in the water. And guess what? 15 minutes passed. Half an hour, an hour, five hours, 10 hours, 24 hours. Those motherfuckers are still swimming. 48 hours before they started to fucking drown. 48 hours. Yeah,
1: because they're just exhausted after that. But Yeah. But still.
0: But they had hope. Hope, hope baby. Hope. They thought somebody was going to come and save them. Now, my question is, is that how we're feeling as Americans? Is somebody going to come and save us? man. Oh, uh, oh! I caught, yeah, I caught my motherfucker with a left. Yeah, bro. <laughs> you didn't see that. He was watching the right. I was like, "Yeah." Oh, oh, oh hope shit. we got
1: hope, shit people. Got we real. got hope. I hope that somebody does. Are we resilient? Well, we're all still standing. Mm. You know, I do the little things in my life. try to be good to my neighbor. Mm. You know, Ten Commandments has some. Decent, actually, rules. That's one thing I'm like, you know what? Rules are things to live by, I guess that's most of sure to say. Like, yeah, there's some things on there that are all right. You no, know, I don't have to believe everything, just like Professor Craig Mason told me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, listen to what some people have to say. Pick out what you like and, you know, better yourself for it. But at least know what the other side is saying. But I, I hope, man, like, I hope in my lifetime that some fucking hero comes mm-hmm. along you know i don't know who it could be i don't know i mean i don't know but just some dude that would be so incredible and just like makes everyone realize like yeah man we kind of fucking up
0: <laughs> you know i don't know if it is going to be one dude i think that i think that people have to kind of realize that what we've been doing for a long time hasn't been working yeah. and one of the things is we've been believing these stories that these Fucking politicians are telling us, right? Oh, yeah, so you, you mentioned Disney earlier, right? I went to screenwriting classes. I went through film school. One of the things they said in a story is you want the character to have a character arc to change. Because mm-hmm. you don't want that character to be the same person at the beginning of the story as it is on the end of the story. And and it was almost it was almost a must. You know, there's some stories like James Bond, you know, before he became a pussy. Um, <laughs> You know, he didn't ever change. James Bond was James Bond. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Forrest Gump was Forrest Gump. They didn't change as characters, but they changed everybody in the world around them. They changed the world, right? Um, those are the only characters that don't go through those changes. But most characters, they they change. And I think, and I've always believed, one of the reasons why we have this as part of our tools for storytelling is because we want to sell the idea of change to people that really... A lot of times Don't change much We stay in our lane We do the same things Yeah You know what I mean It's like here in this country We have freedom Do we use it Because right now They're full of shit They're full of shit And I just keep going into the fucking voting booth And picking one Out of those two choices Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you want The green apple splatters Or do you want the fucking uh, The tough turds You gotta pick one. Either way, I'm struggling. You want McDonald's or Burger King? Yeah. You want the you want the McSplatters? I'll take oh shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. shit. And eventually we're gonna have to stop fucking putting our faith in these motherfuckers and have another plan.
1: I think Mm. you're right about that. It's not gonna be one person. It's gonna be like one idea.
0: It's going to be one idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just was, I was thinking of that arc you were talking about. That's why I said hero. I'm like, yeah, one person's going to come along and save the day. Oh, we need everything that. that. But it's one idea is going to come along and save the day. What is it? I can't even remember. Like, like ideas will live on forever. You know, what is that? Oh, a V for Vendetta. You know, and like he talks about that in the movie. He's like, but you can't kill an idea. That's right. You can kill me, but you can't kill an idea. That's right.
0: That's right. You know. And I I think that 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 people have this idea of freedom in this country but I think we're actually going to have to put that shit to the test. I think it's coming to a place because um dude the the control that seems to be coming from this technology stuff it's unbelievable. It's
1: rapidly changing.
0: Like well, I think my I think rapidly. my phone is a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> it's believing conspiracies Because it's telling me Hey man Did you see this shit? I'm not even searching for this stuff no.
1: Well no man I've been talking about bed frames Bro Oh and then it pops dude, up on your phone All day every day Showing me bed frame after bed frame
0: It's doing our thinking for us Yeah
1: yeah. And then sometimes I don't even we will be talking in a conversation And you're talking about Jimmy John's at lunch today Hey a Jimmy John coupon Randomly comes up You know when I'm scrolling through the news what the fuck? Granted, uh, you know, got to use the coupon, so.
0: Oh, dude. It's <laughs> it's just getting to the point where nobody wants us to even think anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, why would they? Hmm. You know, that's the whole essence of 1984. You know? These are your options. The ministry of truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Ministry of love. Ministry of peace. You start believing it. Like, oh, no, we're... When I was young, I thought America was... You know, I didn't know about all the killings. Like when I was a kid, you know, it's land of the free, home of the brave. I mean, I'm talking like elementary school, yeah. you know, what I was taught in school. Like, I didn't know how much, you know, how many times we, we were actually terrorists to other people. If you look at it through their eyes. I had a Persian kid in college and he said that to me. He was like, yeah, man, America's are the terrorists. What are you talking about? He goes, and then he stayed, he was older than me too. He was like 28, did military service. So he was on a, like, you know, a grant and whatnot. Oh, actually, his parents are pretty well off as well. Um, but he said that, he goes, you know, everyone is a terrorist to somebody else.
0: Yeah, dude.
1: And it's like, it's all fucking perspective, bro. You know, and he goes, and you wonder why people hate America? Well, these innocent kids were just playing soccer. All of a sudden they come home and their house is burned down. Or their house is blown up. You know, it's America. So why would you not hate them?
0: You know? You know, when when uh, France... Was invaded by Germany. I'm sure the Germans thought, trust us, guys, it's going to be way better. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a good vision. Yeah. We know the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that's the way that they felt in Iraq? (laughs) <laughs> no, nope. here's your democracy. Yeah, democracy yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, right? democracy now. Literally apocalypse it's, now. It's gonna be way better, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust
1: yeah. us. But trust he, the process. Yeah, right, man. This ain't
0: same basketball. Are we Germany? Some would say. Some would say.
1: Some would say. Some would I say. I mean, I've I've read you know on it before, and it's you know not to say I don't you know I have to I don't even know why I'm even saying this. Not to say I don't love I don't love living here. I don't know if I would die for my country, to be honest. Maybe when I was younger, I was very more patriotic, Mm. but just knowing how they treat the people more. So as I read more and, you know, just understand the division we've talked about and just understand how, you know, we don't, I mean, the healthcare thing is just huge to me. It's like, you ain't taking care of your fucking people. You know, you're not. Oh wait. So then we've talked about food. Oh, so you're Mm. shortening it. Oh, by choice. You're burning down crops by choice, but that's your choice. And I know you say like you know you said something earlier, but it's like yeah, some people actually really like the way it's going, cause they eating, you know they eating pretty. You know me, I spent fifty dollars on groceries and felt like I got a bag of rice and
0: some bread. You know what story my mother was watching all the time in her life? Murder. She wrote. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the shit like Brad and Jen. Oh. You know,
1: she was caught up in this stuff. What was it, Brangelina?
0: Yeah, yeah Brangelina. these are these are the um the gods of our day. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: they are the folk heroes.
0: Yeah, it's like these these people that we we connect to. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, you and you know we want to be like. Yeah. I want I want those. I want that. I want to wear that. Yeah. I want to be like them. I want them Jordans. Yeah. Right? No doubt. So this is the story we've all bought into. Yeah. Right? But instead of going over there to Iraq and liberating these motherfuckers, how about we start with the people on Good Times? <laughs>
1: that's what I'm- <laughs> The yeah. people that are here. That's And it's, that's one of the arguments, you know, especially for, you know, Republicans, you know, conservatives. Mm-hmm. They say that, man, like you allocating all this money to the rest of the world. Well, why don't you take care of us?
0: Louisiana, they have some uh, hunger issues that is so deep. Like forty percent of the people that's there are in hunger. Hunger, forty percent. Right before COVID, it was one in five children yeah. in the United States. Yeah, I remember you said that. This was before shit. COVID. Before COVID, that was twenty percent. You think it's gotten better with these prices? No. And and the and let's be let's be for real. Those are the citizens. That we're talking about. Yeah. That's not the illegals. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the illegals. Let's give a shout out to all the motherfuckers that's out there that aren't legally here, but they have children that's going to school with my children and are hungry. Hungry. There's a lot of people in the United States hungry.
1: Yeah. And you don't, like we've, I know we've mentioned this before, but you know, it's something you and I have been lucky enough to have decent jobs to where, you know, when I say I'm starving, I'm not
0: really starving. No, we ate right before we did the well, show. I mean, yeah, <laughs> had some spaghetti. Yeah, bro.
1: yeah, but but still, but you know, you know what I get at though. You know, it's yeah, like, I, I feel. Oh my you. god, I'm so hungry. It's like, bro, you could lay off a meal or two, bro. You mm. you get kind of soft, you know. But that was a joke, horrible joke, by the way. And but it is, man. There's so many things. And that's why the love and hate word for me is so crucial cuz it's like if you're going to say you hate something like it better be something you're willing to do something about. Mm. If you're going to say you love something, I feel like you better be willing to die for that shit. You know, I've said that before as well, but I believe it to my core. And but that's the whole thing about resilience. It's like you should love yourself enough to pick yourself up. Mm. And that comes with just finding yourself and finding who you are, and realizing your strengths and understanding your weaknesses, and finding the, you know, brother, sister, that can make the connections. Like it's all right, man. that someone's stronger than you in something, we all are genius in our own right.
0: You know what I believe in is, is people. The people that I talk to out and about, just the average motherfuckers. I don't care what fucking, uh, if you're Democrat, Republican, most of us that you talk to are pretty goddamn decent people as individuals, Yeah, as individuals. And we all basically want the same shit, you know what I mean? Um, but, but somewhere along the line, we got to start doing some things that's a little bit different. Right now, we're so fucking tied into the way that we're working and killing ourselves. I'm telling you, labor is probably the biggest issue we face as Americans. And it's one of the things that nobody talks about. Because if we change the way that we work and the value that's attached to that, we might actually start living a little bit better.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. You know, labor laws, if, if labor laws could actually be addressed and that is something that could change, and I don't think it necessarily is ever going to come from the politicians because they don't talk about labor issues in the debates.
1: No, because they want to keep the people down, mm. and when they know that they have the power to rise up, that means that we're going to, you know, knock down your fucking table, mm-hmm. and you guys can eat the fucking scraps.
0: What did, what did Tupac say? You know, we hungry, we hungry. Let us in. And he said, if you don't let us in, we're going to come through the wall. We're going to come through the window, right?
1: Yeah, and I think about that all the time with this, you know, food shortage. Like, the scariest people are the ones who are hungry or thirsty. Mm -hmm. They're willing to do anything to eat. Mm -hmm. It's going to come. Like, eventually, if you keep fucking up, it's going to come. Yeah. That wall will fall. You know, and it just kind of blows my mind sometimes. And... I was also thinking about something you said here and I had to look it up, but um, it's by Peter Till and he said something. It's by Nietzsche. He wrote, madness is rare in individuals, but in groups, parties, nation, and ages, it's the rule. Yes. And I think about that right now. Like we're fucking crazy. (laughs) You know, like there's a mental illness problem in this country that is predicated from the shit that our leaders are doing to us. If you feel like you have no fucking chance, it's hard But that's what we're talking about today is being resilient. Yes. It's like, yo, I ain't going to let you knock me down. Someone said this once to me and I thought it was awesome. They go, if you can knock me off my game, I was never in it. (laughs) And I say that all the time when I'm talking to people when, you know, unfortunately you didn't get the job. And I say, yo, 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 though, I go, you going to let that knock you down? I mean, I've gotten comfortable. So sometimes I was like, that shit can't knock you down. you too strong, man. We get up again and we go. I've been working with this girl who things just aren't working out, but I'm always there. And I'm like, yo, you have it. We just have to find the right person to see it. Mm. I'm telling you, she hasn't given up and she's still like, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And that's the power of like, we're talking about your neighbor, you know, not pushing you down, but building you up.
0: You know, that thing that you just talked about, the madness, how we're all crazy collectively kind of a thing, you know, with, with the, our religions and our politics and stuff like that. I think because a lot of this shit is oversimplified, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oversimplified ideas. Yeah. That means nothing. 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 Yeah. And that's why they've been saying the same shit for 20, 30 years. Right. <laughs> you can guarantee Biden said the same shit that he said 30 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe Bush probably said the same thing that he was saying for how many years, yeah. you know, they don't change their story because mm-hmm. they don't need to. No. They, and, and we accept these oversimplified versions. This is kind of like when we talked about death, right. And, and the idea of Christianity, you know what I mean? People accept this Christianity because check, it took care of the idea yep, of death. We're good. Yeah. We don't have to think about it now. We don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. We have an oversimplified answer. We're going to heaven. Yeah. Heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I, I know we're kind of winding down on the time. I, I, I feel like it anyway. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that being bound to beliefs, biases, and a view of self that is dependent upon outside circumstances can be destructive. Mm. Okay? Attachments to those outside beliefs brings misery because attachments bring bondage. Like we're bound to being a Democrat. We're bound to being a Republican. We're bound to being a Christian, right? All these things. Um, But here's the thing. Attachments can destroy freedom. Attachment is connected to the ego. And when reality doesn't match up to that image that your attachment is holding on to, it causes us pain. So that's why I think we're fucking crazy. Because we don't want to look too close. Nah, we want those oversimplified answers. Yeah. So we can get tucked in at night with our American dream. Yeah. Go
1: to sleep. Night-night, beautiful. It's going to be all right. Yeah. What is it?
0: Yeah. Well, resilience, resilience. Resilience, baby. Resilience. And it takes... What, what did the dude say? When, when the circumstances aren't going to change, we have to change ourselves. ourselves. And we as Americans, that's where the change has to come from, not from them. No. Nah. Because they don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're living their best life. <laughs> Ooh, so on this album, Sacrificing the Silence, I'm going to be talking about some shit. And this is Strike One. Here I am. We're coming in swinging. Good. Balls out and back Good. up.
1: I'm going for the fences,
0: motherfucker. <laughs> well, we do have to fucking cut this motherfucker short. And we're going to come back next week with a topic connected to this topic somehow. Mm-hmm. So, um, I still won't know what it's going to be about. So, no, you yeah. didn't know this time. We yeah. had this motherfucker searching on his phone coming down the pike. Uh, well,
1: yeah, man, <laughs> I didn't know anything going on. But I like that. The unknown, being resilient.
0: Mm-hmm Uh me and you going with the changes (laughs) alright this is Curious G it's your boy Ace Cannon and this is Truth to Power you know what gets a bad rap the dumpster fire have you ever had that hot mess sexual partner from some toxic relationship in which your friends compare them to a dumpster fire okay So some crazy fuck cut up all your underwear. They put an entire bottle of Nair into your shampoo and then fucked your best friend in a motel using your credit card. Okay, I agree. Not cool. But what has a dumpster fire ever done to you? I'm not even actually sure that any of my friends have ever witnessed a dumpster fire. But let's say, for the sake of argument that my friends have witnessed the dumpster fire. Let's say that we all live in a one dumpster town. Maybe starting a dumpster fire is the only action we can get after all the cows have been tipped. How could they compare this insignificant other to burning mounds of trash? People compared our 2020 presidential election to the dumpster fire. Was that even fair? I mean... Come on, is it comparable? I wouldn't even say it's actually close. Think about it. Behind door number one, you've got this putrid stench rising in black plumes of smoke billowing out from the rot of filth-gathered sludge, composed of grotesque gobbledygook found among burning piles of trash. Behind door number two, a simple dumpster fire our 2020 presidential race got fucking ugly. Ugly enough to scare a buzzard off a pile of guts. But, it was clearly no dumpster fire. You see, dumpster fires, unlike our politics, are self-cleaning. No muss, no fuss. But, tell you what, for the moment, let's put the dumpster fire aside. I'd like to know Which is worse, a train wreck, a bloodbath, or a clusterfuck? When I say clusterfuck, I mean your average fucking cluster. Not a Mongolian clusterfuck. Or a clusterfuck of carnies fucking in the funhouse. Just your basic, non-racially slurred cluster of fuckers. Now, granted, a train wreck can be bad at first glance especially if you're on the goddamn train. But what if the train is empty? What then? Okay, I get the guy that's driving the train most likely died. But then again, he wrecked the train, so fuck him. In fact, it may actually be fortunate for the people waiting at the next train station. So I will wager train wrecks may be rather fortuitous. Now... What about this bloodbath? Sounds gnarly? Bloodbath. Do you recall the blood countess from the 16th century? She was a notorious Hungarian noblewoman named Elizabeth Bathory, called the bloody countess. With a name like Bathory, she changed the world from using the word tub to saying bath. You see, to stay young, she tortured and bathed in the blood of hundreds of young women. Now, before we judge her too harshly, we should give her the benefit of the doubt by considering the clusterfuck. I mean, after all, Elizabeth Bathroy was of the Christian faith. Perhaps the girls that she killed were sinners and had it coming. Perhaps she was just going Old Testament and doing God's work. Just for the sake of argument, to unbiasedly judge between the bloodbath and the clusterfuck, let's do some comedy science math. Now, most people have about a gallon and a half of blood in the body. Well, not counting people in politics or my ex-wife. The average bath is around 80 gallons. Because I trust science, I have subtracted the amount of blood that will rise, getting into the bloodbath so you don't spill blood all over the tile. No one needs that shit. You would still need about 45 people to have a rejuvenating bloodbath. However, since the source of blood had been young girls, perhaps maybe we could assume that they have less blood than the average full-grown person. So let's round up to an even 50 girls to fill a blood bath. Honestly, we don't know how many baths the bloody countess would take, so let's just calculate one blood bath versus one clusterfuck. Just so none of y'all get more confused than a moth flying around inside of a mitten, I'm gonna make it simple. You don't need to check my math. That would take a real honest-to-goodness bloodbath for scientific integrity. And really, who has the time? These are only estimates. Now, to make a comparable version between a bloodbath and a clusterfuck, I needed to understand if a cluster was a size that we could measure. Turns out, a cluster is a group of people positioned closely together. First thing I thought about was church. But then I realized that people don't fuck in church. Well, at least while most people are there. Therefore, not a cluster fuck. Just a cluster. Still, if anyone hears anything on the church fucking front, let me know immediately I may once again find religion. Then I thought, where would large groups of people... Gather close together with a chance of fucking. Oh, I get it. A rave concert with an assload of molly. Of course. Perhaps a fat boy slim concert. I would also accept Prodigy if the drugs were good, but honestly, I find them to be overplayed boner killers. Still, if I could engage in a quality cluster fuck, I really wouldn't care if you were playing Moby. One of the larger Fatboy Slim concerts held 250,000 fucks. That is a sizable clusterfuck. Still, we want to know which is more awful, based solely on the numbers. And I would say that the clusterfuck beats both the train wreck and the bloodbath with just one show. Still, no death so far in any clusterfucks on record. In fact, to me, the clusterfuck seems kind of pleasant, and I kind of dig the groove of an techno-orgy soundtrack. Because I've never been overly impressed with the train wreck, I've voted bloodbath as being the worst of the three. Hey, you want to impress me with a train wreck? Go off the rails into a Fatboy Slim concert with an ongoing clusterfuck. Talk about a goddamn bloodbath. When it comes to bloodbath politics of tribal cluster fucks loaded on a train scheduled trek, can we please just show a small amount of respect for the innocent dumpster fire and stop comparing it to the worst of the worst among us? It makes you sound about as crazy as a shithouse rat. And if you don't know what that means, thank Charlie Sheen. This is Curious G, thank you for tuning in to the Truth to Power podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. We are now spending a little bit more time on each one of these topics. We're gonna try to get as much as we can out of each song and each episode. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for your support. Embrace fear, having none in my heart. Unchained as I caught a dead in the dark. I've listened to the filth that the truth can talk. I played that line, I've walked that walk. Although my hope, it's not the grave. Death Angel, she holds my name. I won't claim wings that I know not flames. I seek to grow and remain unchained. I cannot live unless I have a part in the this twist between birth and chalk. Bed rest, baby, done with it all. Here I am, right here, on the mark. Rhythm and poetry from my heart. 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 All the love I've known, it came with a price, like a price tag hanging from the inner thighs. Eight years in, she jumped ship, better bank rolled in with brand new dick, I get it, haunting, I won't sweat shit, I'm MC Hammer, broke, broke, choking the mic, just like Rick, Slicker than the sickest, dope sling spit cripple in the mic when the voodoo hit Best things in life are free Like letting go of your ass as if you suffered me Take your shit, and my shit too All I need's the change, stick to your truth Baby girl wolf tickets, they take a view A safe view, a view to frame That's touch of self, way to chain I cannot live, unless I have a part this twist between birth and chalk Bed rest, baby, don't with it all Here I am right here, on the mark Rhythm and poetry straight from the heart Rhythm and poetry from my heart Rhythm and poetry from the heart Rhythm and poetry bumps the dark Thumping quick like the drums in my heart Rhythm and poetry ignite the spark Embrace fear having none in my heart Unchained as I caught a dead in the dark I've listened to the filth and the truth can talk And I've played that lot, I've walked that walk Tick tock walk that razor road Ruckus ridden, crippled, cold Street side bright light, great unknown Hell yes, rabbit tracks when you bare your soul Oh yes, rubber tracks when you bear your soul. Oh yes, rubber tracks when you bear your soul.